Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for joining me. This is episode 107 with the lovely actor Emma Leonard. You can find her on Twitter at Emma Lou, L-O-U, Leonard, L-E-O-N-A-R-D. Thanks for being here. You can subscribe to this show if you're brand new. Uh, just pick up any podcast app that you like and um, hit subscribe uh, and then I'll arrive in your uh, phone magically in your pocket every single week or uh, you can also... Check us out at oshiginsberg.com. If you want to let me know, write to me, whatever you like. Um, you can message me on the Facebook page or send osher email at gmail.com. You can also sign up to the mailing list at Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. My goodness, it's the last two nights of The Bachelorette this week. Twitter's been amazingly fun. Thanks for everybody that joins in when uh, the show's on. Sorry, Brisbane. Sorry that you're an hour behind. I can't help you there. I tried. I had to move away. Couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand the daylight saving not being there. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks to everybody that's made it such an incredibly successful series. I'm very, very grateful for all of your help because uh, we couldn't do it which people didn't watch. Um, but I look forward to the last two nights with you. Uh, to check in real quick, I remember I told you about that gig I did at the basement last week. Well, that was, that was ace fun. That was uh, that was really cool. And uh, the next night, the Monday night, I did a I did another, which was uh, truly truly a big treat. Um, it was a show at the the Giant Dwarf Theatre, which is the Chasers Theatre um, in Newtown or Redfern, to be honest. Um, it was uh, extraordinary. It's a, it's a show called Story Club, where where people sit in a big chair and read from a very very big book, and. Um, I got to read a story. It was a ghost story night because Halloween's on the way. And I got to read a story about when I lived in Adelaide with a ghost. Yeah, I lived in Adelaide with a ghost and I told a lovely story. But it was really nice that um, I got invited, you know, because uh, I love those guys and everybody that's involved with the chase is super cool and that they bring young writers and young producers up um, and they uh, give them an area and a space to, to create and get good. And the Giant Dwarf Theatre is a place where some of that stuff happens. And uh, to be invited along to come and be a part of that scene is an absolute dream. And uh, I had a cracker of a time. It was uh, really good. I also went and saw Mark Marin this week with about 1,200 other people at the State Theatre, Glorious Theatre in Market Street in Sydney. Um, if you don't know who Mark Marin is, stop listening to this right now. Go and download his podcast interview with Louis C.K. I'll wait. Come on, you can come back in an hour and a half. It's extraordinary. It was absolutely wonderful to go and see one of my heroes live in the flesh. He's really, really very, very good. Uh, it's an extraordinary stand-up. He's a great storyteller. And one of the most extraordinary parts of the show is he stood out in front of the microphone and he did a Q&A, but without amplification. He just stood there and spoke. And it was wonderful that he used that technique to switch the connection from performer uh, to participant 
and then back again when he finished off the the last you know twenty ten minutes of stand up. But it was it was really really good. It, it made a great connection to the audience, and uh, yeah, it was super great to see him. He's he's very very good at what he does. My friends, this episode is brought to you today by The Iconic, which is Australia's leading online clothing store. You already use The Iconic. I already use The Iconic. Let's use The Iconic together. Support the people that support my show. Use the offer code on theiconic.com.au slash osher. It's halfway down the page on the left. Use that offer code. Let them know that these ads are working for them. The Iconic stock over 700 top brands with 50,000 products. They offer an incredible three-hour delivery in Sydney. You order it, it's at your house, office, in three hours. Bonkers. Same-day shipping's in Brisbane, Adelaide, Brisbane, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, and Sydney, and overnight delivery to New Zealand, and free returns for 100 days. So you shop there anyway. So if you like this show, you want to support this show, you don't want to spend any money supporting this show, just spend some money at the Iconic, and they kick a couple of shekels back to us, and uh, to show that you know, they love you and we love you together. They're offering 10% off full price styles with any purchase over $99. So it saves you money. It doesn't cost you anything more than they sling a few bucks back to us. You can shop from your phone, your laptop. You can shop right now. Support the people that support this show, the latest spring styles at your fingertips, theiconic.com.au slash osher. Enter the offer code there on the left, halfway down the page. There it is, the big gray letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, put that in at checkout for 10% off full price styles with any purchase over 99 bucks. So this week, I've gone up to Brisbane to see some family, which would be nice. I miss those guys. I miss those guys heaps. Yeah, so that'll be good. Um, let me tell you about my guest today. My guest today is Emma Leonard. She is an Australian actor, voice actor, improviser, all-round fantastic human being, and a very, very funny lady. She's most famous internationally for her long-time role on Home and Away, the landmark Australian soap opera that's been around for decades by now. And more recently, for the, it's a huge hit, huge drama hit called 800 Words. Now, she joined me in my house to talk about Steiner schools, how being on set out on location is a lot like being on school camp. And we had a long discussion about why there hasn't been a great Australian multi-camera sitcom in about 20 years. Uh, so it's a great chat. I'm really grateful she came over, but I must apologize about the audio quality. Since Mac, uh, since Apple uh, updated the operating system on my MacBook Air, I haven't been able to find my noise reduction plugins on Ableton, uh, which is the program I use to edit this. Um, and there's two construction sites either side of where we live. Uh, so there's a lot of circular saws and hammering going on in this one, but hey, it adds to your authenticity. It gives you the real feeling of what it's like to be in my kitchen. So if you like what Emma says, you can follow her on Twitter. Let her know Emma Lou Leonard, all one word, um, in Twitter. That's where you can find her. Let her know you liked it. All right. Enjoy the show. I love these. <laughs> these are so cute. <laughs> well, yeah. It's just a bit easier. I, I do have a lot of the microphones and stuff, but... Um, all right. Yeah. So now we just talk. We just chat. Yeah. yeah. I've listened to a we bunch just, of your stuff. It's great. It's very casual. Now. All right. Yeah. Cool. Enjoy your tea. Uh, I should. Thank put, you. I always should put a tea warning at the start of these because <laughs> this podcast contains tea. Well, yeah, yeah. There'll be tea sloping. So how are you, Emma? I'm very well. You good? Yeah. We should. We should drink tea. Okay. Is that too hot? Uh, I was gonna let it cool for let's a, let it a cool. moment. Well, welcome and, to the um, the uh, the circular store and demolition district. <laughs> Of the eastern part of Sydney. Thank you. Um, I apologise for the construction noise that will join us. 
That's um, all right. While we have this conversation. It'd be but, a good soundtrack to our well, conversation. Well, uh, house down the street went for stupid money. Mm. And everyone went, woo. And now they're demolishing all their houses and putting second floors on and stuff. Yeah, but, it's hard to escape in Sydney, I think. Yeah, Renovations. I think the bubble might be about to burst. Mm, maybe. Yeah. We were looking at buying, but let's forget about it, right? Yeah, it's I know. Crazy. But the rental market is equally as nuts. It's going house hunting is the most stressful thing. When I and my boyfriend and I were looking at it for our last place in the eastern suburbs, we went to one one day we went and looked at six places in one day and I just I lost it at the end of it because it's kind of creepy going into all these houses and Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And you other see everybody homes. Yeah, and you yeah. see everyone eyeing each other off outside the apartment, like just looking at I was like doing full like marking my territory. Other people were coming in during the inspection, I'm standing in the <laughs> kitchen filling out the application form. Like just intimidate everyone out That's right. Yeah. I'm filling this out right That's now. I'm that sure. I'm ready. I've got my documents printed out. I want to live yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm that sure I want to live here. Um, did you grow up in Sydney? No, I grew up in the Southern Highlands. The Southern Highlands. Now, yeah. for folks who aren't from this part of the world, that's... It's about an hour and a half south of Sydney, but inland, um, halfway to Canberra. Uh-huh. And it's a small um, kind of... I don't know what the population is now. I lived in Mittagong. So there's Mittagong, Barrel and Berrima and um, Kangaroo Valley and those little towns, mm. which are really... Are picturesque. they high? Picturesque. No. Um, I don't know. It's a temperate climate. <laughs> I don't know if they're high. I call them highlands, but are they... <laughs> they like are. It's very... Um, 200 metres. They're kind of European looking. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, they've got a lot of greenery and people go down there for the Tulip Festival in Barrel once a year. Um, and, yeah, there's... There's a mountain, Mount Gibraltar, um, and it snows there in, in the winter. Sometimes it gets very cold. It's a really beautiful place to live. Wow. It, yeah. Now, for a, I do recall you know, for a while there in the early 90s, it was Bowral, and mm. that area was the like the Palm Springs of, <laughs> yes. of, a, of Sydney, Big like where boys. Barnsley and all those guys would have houses Yeah, exactly. Houses down there. His kids went to the same school that I did. Um, lots of musicians and um, film, television people and artists moved down there um, yeah. for a little bit of a country change, and it's still very close to Sydney, so I think that's why my parents decided, and they built a house down there. Oh, yeah? Um, and we had like five acres and horses and things like that. So what do you folks great. do? Great. Well, my dad's in, in the industry. He's a producer, director, and uh, my mum has done a mountain of very various different things including owning a fairy shop in Mittagong called the Enchant Inn where she used to run fairy parties which was amazing for so you what kid. kind of so your father <laughs> was working in the industry when you were a kid yes yep wow and what shows well he does sort of oh, a whole bunch of different things from like um, documentary stuff, sport, lots of commercials um, and things like that. So lo- I, lots of commercials I remember him doing. And I think my sister and I managed to talk our way into getting a role in some of those occasionally. Do you remember the – I mean, my folks were um, – both are still alive. They're both doctors. Yep. So when we were, when I was five on Saturday morning when mum was doing something with my big brother, dad would take me on his rounds. And so hospitals were just, well, it's wow. just where dad works. Yeah. You know, so it was all very, very, very normal. Very normal. Mm. Were you the same with film sets? Uh, I think I was always really excited about it and drawn to it and loved, um, I loved going on set with dad when he was doing it. Um, so, yeah, it was normal, but it was always something that I also aspired to very much and um, was very excited about. So, 
Yeah. Who was the first person that you saw on set that you went, oh, I want to be that? Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I ever met anyone super famous when I was really, really young. But one thing I do remember doing is talking to some people that did voiceover work and realising that that was a really good thing to get into quite at an early age and when I was in high school. And so things like that, like that's a really good kind of inside bit of information that you learn from being around the industry and talking mm. to people, um, like practic- practical things like that. Yeah, but mm. there was no, like you were sitting on set as a little kid and there was a, a woman on set doing something spectacular and you went, oh, wow. Uh, that. <laughs> I want to do that. Um, yeah, no, not really. I think I mainly got inspiration from watching people on TV and on mm. stage, and they would take us. Mum and Dad would take us to the theatre, and um, you know, occasionally up to something like Belvoir when we were teenagers, and mm. we watched, we'd watch that. And um, they always um, introduced us to a really good quality film and TV from an early age. Mm. I remember going to sleepovers and. Um, being unimpressed with my friend's choice of films. Um, I'd brought Dead Poet Society and no one wanted to watch that. Um, (laughs) So mum and dad really influenced my sister and I in in a big way in appreciating good film and theatre, definitely. I I wonder if in this age of Netflix and iTunes and video on demand, if Mm. there's... Because the thing that I recall video libraries, and I'm sure you do too, Mm. there was at least an amount of curation in a video library. Yes. And that, particularly not the big chain ones, your Video Easy or your Blockbuster or whatever they are, mm. the smaller suburban ones, there would always be like staff picks. Yes. You know, and... Recommendations. Truly. Mm. And I feel, while Netflix is using some algorithm to tell me what it thinks I might like, yeah. I might never get a chance to pick outside of that. Exactly. You might never be able yeah. to find that random yeah. movie at the back of it. And also picking something up and judging it by its cover and Truly. reading the blurb at the back. Absolutely. Yeah, I miss um, I miss video stores and DVDs, like going down to get a it's DVD. walking up and down the aisles. I loved that. Yeah. yeah. I remember going, yeah, to get a VHS on a Saturday night. Um, the ritual of it was so exciting. It really was. Yeah, it really was. And, and always... then sometimes it'd be out and you just couldn't watch it that week. You'd have to wait for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you couldn't get the $7 new release, instead you got $7 weeklies. Oh, exactly. And oh, yeah. the whole thing would take about an hour. Like, you'd spend a long time browsing. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. almost as good as the as the actual film. Yeah. And oh, you should be so excited. Run home and get the, you know, put the pizza thing in the microwave and get the... Living room ready, rearrange yeah. the furniture, shut the lights off, <laughs> boom, make it happen. Yeah, I it know. Great, it was I, good time. I, I particularly, well, I think, I think went through every single ninja film in the in the ninja. Was there a ninja genre was, section yeah, there was a ninja in your? Section, your yeah, there was a martial arts section. Nice. I was obsessed. Yeah, very was, cool. You know, bad sixteen millimeter, crappy directing, terrible editing, awful wow. soundtracks, generally brilliant. Oh, Just yeah, amazing. Horribly schlocky. <laughs> A lot of Golden Globus. Um, there were two Hollywood shysters, if ever there were. Yeah. Two producers. They would, you know, I think their favorite, their famous, most famous story is uh, Missing in Action Two. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the first guys to print a poster, a finished poster of Chuck Norris holding a. They Amazing. think they even photoshopped his head on or used the old <laughs> version, whatever. I think they would have actually like cut out Chuck's face and oh, put it wow. on someone, and they used the poster. To say, oh no, 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 we're in production to get investment. 
What? And they weren't even in it. All they had was a poster. Did Chuck Norris know about this? I don't know. I don't think he but did. It doesn't sound like he knew. They were absolute That's shy. one way to do it. Complete <laughs> Just shy. put Chuck Norris's face shy. on. So what's, 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 what's school like up at the, the Southern Highlands? Um, well, I went to a Steiner school to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Did you celebrate the harvest? Yes. So many pagan um, festivals of the harvest. And it's all very much about the seasons. So, you know, spring has a festival with maypoles and then there's a midwinter solstice festival. And it's really, really cool. I loved it. It was good. So these things, they're corners. Oh, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I was, thank you for mentioning that. I was quite intimidated by them when I came in. The right angles, um, yeah. For those people that don't know much about Steiner, they they cut the corners off the paper. <laughs> so everything's rounded. The edges are all rounded. Everything's soft, um, muted colours. Um, no kind of labels or sort of bright kind of advertising anywhere on anything. Like you don't have a uniform, but you just wear kind of plain clothes and everything's very soft and it's a really beautiful environment to be in but it's also hilarious teachers with first names yep yep all the teachers you call them by their first name um and you do a lot of art and drawing and dancing and um a thing called eurythmy which is hilarious it's like a movement um i don't even know how to describe it like a dance movement kind of thing so how do they because i heard yesterday about a particularly nasty um, incident of bullying at a, at a primary school. That was me. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How do they deal with discipline at a school like that? Or would you um, like, you call the teachers your first names and dance harsh. around the meeting? It's canes, you know. No. Um, not for, to be honest, um, the school that I went to, I don't think they dealt with discipline particularly well because there was a lot of... Um, there's a lot of kids that went to that school that had kind of not fitted into other types of schooling, which is sort of... Um, I mean, great in one way, but it was pretty wild. I remember there being lots of people being chased with sticks. Because <laughs> we'd get given sticks and things to make cubby houses with, and which is so good. I love how free it was and, and how unrestricted. But, um, yeah, it was a little bit crazy. I was fine. I think I, I was safe. But, um, I but what was, there, was there a timeout corner? Was there write-outs? Was there a detention? Probably. I, I, don't, re- I don't think... I ever got given a detention. Definitely not in the same strict way that you find in a lot of mainstream schools where they have a set discipline and this is what happens. They probably had a detention, mm-hmm. but it was probably like they probably got taken to a room and given some crayons and told to draw their feelings. <laughs> I think that's probably what happened. So yeah, when but you, I came out all right, I think. So when you get to high school, yeah. when, when, was, when was your first experience with mainstream education? Oh, well, in year... Four. I skipped year four, basically. I went from year three, um, skipped a year of, of primary school and went into year five. So that's when you're about 11. Um, and I went to Jibgate, which is a gorgeous little um, Winifred Rest school in the Southern Highlands. And it's completely different. It's kind of posh. Um, there's a uniform, but you are allowed to wear jodhpurs. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's very Southern Highlands and it's a gorgeous little school. But um, it was really a crazy transition. It was really harsh. They had... Um, you know, textbooks, for instance, and and homework and pens. We had all like beautiful um, German drawing pencils and crayons and songs, and I don't ever remember getting homework. So it was a, a crazy transition, but probably a good one in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, and also skipping a year of primary school was was pretty weird. But I think after about six months, I caught up. So we're younger than everybody. 
No, because my birthday's in February, so I was sort of, you know, there's that All right. crossover. Yeah, but yeah, in Australia, we start school in January, not in September, exactly. which is what they start yeah, in, in yeah. the States. So, yeah. so you were the littlest in the class or the biggest in the class? Uh, probably, I was pretty little. Yeah. yeah, I was quite little. So it took a little bit of getting used to. That was a fun time. I think everyone. How, how old do Steiner schools go to? Do they go all the way to high school? They do. Um, yeah, a lot of them go to high school. The one I was at went to year ten. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. Run, they don't run it anymore. That school. But um, yeah, and then there are others that just do primary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at what point did you? It sounds like you moved to Sydney at some point. Yeah, so carrying on from that, I did most of my high school still in the Southern Highlands at a normal a normal school down there, a yeah. uh, private school. But then I went on to another form of alternative education, Bradfield College, which is a TAFE college, which basically means like TAFE is sort of like a tertiary education type institute, which is not a university. It's a college. You get a certificate. Um in vocational training and mine the one that I chose was media and performance um and it was really really cool that place again no uniforms calling yeah. teachers by the first name <laughs> um so I, I don't love rules <laughs> if you can tell um so that was really cool because we'd make short films they had like a little radio studio where you could make your own radio shows and you did a lot of industry training like work experience placement there so it really prepares you for the industry that you want to go into but it's still school age so there's no like 20 year old dudes there there were that's the thing it was still school age but um again alternative education it attracted a lot of people that um, were taking a different approach to their education, so perhaps were coming back to finish their HSC, which is their you know high school certificate. So there was a guy in our year who I think was nineteen or twenty, and there was a girl in our year who told us she was in her thirties, but I think she was lying. So, so was, hang on, they let a nineteen-year-old, twenty-year-old guy in <laughs> yeah. the same room yeah. as a bunch of sixteen-year-old girls. They did. He was all right. Oh lord. I know it's pretty funny. I never used to think this until I had a semi-stepdaughter. Yeah. And now I'm Now like, you're worried. Now you're like, hang on a second. Well, I know that you can't lock her up. Yeah. And, you know, be sitting on the couch polishing a shotgun all day. Yeah. Waiting for a boy to come home. She's like, locked up right now for everyone listening <laughs> in the good. corner. It's okay, yeah. I'd look, I drill a hole in the wall. It's fine. fine. There's a feeding tube. There's a feeding tube. <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be okay. But I think, that, you know, I'm one of four boys. So yeah. I, my mum ran an STD clinic at the Australian Army. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we got the talk real early. Yeah. And we got definitely got to talk about respecting women and, yep. and, you know, what is consent. And we got all that stuff kind of really drilled into us because, wow. you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of the boys in the Army were getting into a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and we certainly got that drilled into us at school as well, being an all boys school and yeah. a football school. And yeah, yeah, they, I remember on the last year, last day of the last year, they had a, one of the old boys who was a big legal partner somewhere, and he was mm. telling us all about look, this is what consent is. And if you're at a party and you know something's happening in the back room and you know she doesn't want to be in there, you are just as guilty. So, wow, yeah, they were really, really drilled it into us. So, I think the only thing that I can do is to instill in her, Mm. you know, that kind of knowledge. And did you see um, that take effect in the people, like the sort of the groups that you were in? Do people implement that? I got away from most of those guys pretty quickly. Right, okay, so you don't know what they're doing now. Me in high school, I think like three of them I know. Yeah. Me in high school didn't really... 
Yeah, you should have gone to Bradfield College. I should have gone to Bradfield it. College, dude. <laughs> we I didn't get any talk. Well, yeah. we did get, we got a lot of guidance there, um, but there was a lot of encouraging independence, and I think that was cool. It doesn't work for everybody, but it yeah. suited a lot of personalities. Um, so did you get out of there, and would it, did that lead you into some sort of further education, or were you like, right, I'm ready to go? I was, straight away, I was like, I'm going to be an actor, done. Um, <laughs> so, what was that moment that you went? Oh, uh, well, I wanted to from a, to do that from a young age. Yeah, from what like was it? 13, 14, or probably younger than that even. My sister and I were doing a lot of theatre down in the Southern Highlands and my dad was involved in that and my mum. So we were doing lots of theatre and plays and um, then I managed to get an agent when I was in year 12 through at Bradfield College through a play that I was doing there. So um, I perhaps naively thought, oh, great, I'm set now. I've got an agent. That's all I need to worry about. Um, Hello, Logie. Yeah, and then... (laughs) And then I won a Logie straight away and then an Oscar. So, um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, it took, a, it took a little bit longer to get sort of um, get into the swing of things. But in the meantime, I did a little bit of drama school and also studied filmmaking mm. for a little while too. Did they prep you in this college? Did they prep you for... Now, you all want and you're all working very hard to get probably about three jobs. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay, good. They did. They there's a lot of that and also um they sent us out to industry training a lot so we got to meet um people and talk to people there. Mm. And um I think people are very quick to warn you about how difficult it is. That's mm. something you hear a lot. Um so I think but then you never really believe it, do you? You hear that, you're like, Oh that won't apply to me. Here's statistics, like, you know, one in ten actors unemployed or whatever it is, and you're like, Yeah. One in ten. I don't know what I'm <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> one in you know, ten thousand maybe maybe, maybe. maybe maybe two in fifty are employed. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um but I don't know, you I think when you're young, especially and this is good, you always think, Yeah, but it's probably gonna. It's probably gonna be all right for me. Yeah. And then you know, and then it is, and then it isn't, and then you. Ride I do down wonder about roller coaster. That. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm back in Sydney now, mm. and I, I, um, you know, through the course of my travels, um, one particularly, I won't say, I won't say its name, but through the course of my travels, I'm, I pass past a, um, shall we say, a an arts college. Yeah. Of the performance. Yeah. Yes. Right. Variety. Yep. Um, that's all I'll say. There seem to be hundreds of kids yeah. in there probably paying so much money yes. to be there. Yep. And the reality is of how many actual jobs mm. are they actually going to be able to go for? Yeah. You know, I, I think so much about... But you're right. You know, you've got to just... You have to 100% believe that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you give up. Absolutely, yeah. And if you give up because you want to and you want to do something else, yeah. then that's cool. But if you give up because you didn't sort of believe or back yourself enough, then that's yeah. a shame. Someone who told me um, on this show, um, John Ferrer is actually he's actually my manager. I had, yeah. him on, I had him on this show and he said, only you know how hard you've worked to make your dreams come true. Yeah. He's right. It's, yeah. You're gonna, but I, I do, you know, I wonder about the ethics of um, taking money off kids with stars in their eyes. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, kind of, it can be a little bit yucky that kind of manipulating people into thinking that if they go to this school or they follow this particular path. You'll get on the voice. Yeah, and the truth is there's no formula and there's no no real path. And that's a really hard thing to get your head around. But um, I think if 
um, if kids are doing it because they love it and they're having fun, that's great. But if they're not, like my my dad directs a lot of commercials with kids um, for for toy like beach toys and things like that. So he's worked with lots of children over the years, and he's really um, you know really straight with them and just you know encouraging, but not you know he doesn't want to bullshit them kind of thing. But you see mm. parents, and sometimes you just like. Oh my god! The stage mums. Stage mums, yeah, yeah, pushing them. And, and the thing is, I, my sister and I bugged my dad when we were younger, like 12, 13, to get us an agent because he knew people in the industry. And we're like, "Come on, dad, you can get us in." And he refused for a really long time. And now, finally, I understand why because you're so sensitive at a young age. And going to auditions now, if I'd gone when I was 10, 11, 12, awkward phase. That probably would have ruined me, and I might not be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, you know? my um, so the kid went to audition at New Newtown Performing Arts School, which yeah. is a, a very selective uh, public um, art school in Sydney. And the audition there was hundreds of mm. children in leotards. Oh my god! <laughs> and then double that in family. Oh members. right, because it's dance and everything, everything as well, drama, everything, dance. Everything, yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. And so we all packed into the we all packed into the theatre, and the dean stood there and said, um, if your kid doesn't get in, I'm sorry, but they just don't have what we're looking for. Now, you may want to come and talk to one of us afterwards and plead your kid's case, Yeah. but we feel at the school that we should, if they're serious about a career in this industry, and I, I, get, I get where they're coming from because they've got to justify their budget to a government. Yes, exactly. So like, if they're serious about a career in this industry, this is the process they're going to have to go through every single time. Three mm. times a day, sometimes. Yeah. So it starts today. I'm sure they're a star in your eyes, but they might not be ready for us. It doesn't mean they're not great, mm. but they're not what we're looking for. And he had really had, he must have had so many parents just trying to. You lobby. can tell by that speech that he's yeah. had people knocking yeah. on the door. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, but you know, God. I'm sure the same thing is the case in kids who are forced to go play football. You yeah. Know, or dads who are forcing their kids into play. And you get smashed around playing rugby yeah. league, and they're like, "I just, I don't want to play soccer, Dad." Mm. No, I play league. I play league. Dad played league. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's hard for them to sort of follow just yeah. what they want to do and be be free with it. So, your parents finally okay when you went? All right, I want to do this acting thing. They were great, yeah. they, and I'm really lucky because a lot of people's parents aren't, and a lot mm. of my friends who you know are very successful, their parents still don't really understand what they do or why they do it. So, I'm rare case. Um, lucky enough to have parents that have always been supportive and, and understood and my sister's an actress as well so they've never really discouraged us although my mum did at one stage gently suggest I might take another profession um, and pointed out that I'm very good at painting and I was like thanks mum that's um, an even harder career yeah. <laughs> and one that I'm less good at so <laughs> thanks mum um, yeah well, you know, you could do some artwork for the fairy shop, you never know. Yeah, well, I did I won a colouring competition so you know, I really should have um, pursued that but acting will do for now we were at ta- walking past Target the other day and Audrey says do you want a colouring book said, why do I want a colouring book for you do want a colouring book yeah she said she was just Amazing. on the school holidays they wanted the, her and the kid went away while I was overseas and she said we'll just sit there for hours just doing colouring she said, it's really therapeutic yeah I've got one it's great I love it I do it on the plane or wherever it, it just, it's calming it's something about colouring in between the lines that makes you feel like everything's okay <laughs> Really? Yeah, give it a try. Colouring in books. And, they're, you know, it's quite a thing at the moment. They're all over the place. Some beautiful ones, beautiful patterns you can get. So I get up my Steiner School colouring pencils, which anyone that's been to a Steiner School will know. Those big, thick, beautiful coloured pencils. Well, you see, there's the thing, you know. I, me, having the brain that I've got, would go to the 
colouring pencils store and be like, 12 pack? Do you have something in 128 shades? Yeah, you'd get your big, yeah, you'd a whole set of Derwents, you'd get the whole set. (laughs) You'd come home with like hundreds of dollars worth of art equipment. Yeah, I want to be, I want to be like Alicia Silverstone and Clueless with the computer program to tell me what. (laughs) I've used that color already, I can't use that color again. A color pencil selector for you. Yeah, Yeah, well, absolutely. So I, I, I rushed past the part where you're about to tell me why and what day it was that you went, I want to be an actor. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I can't remember specifically what day, but when I, you know, I'd been doing theatre and um, watching movies and practising my Oscar speech in the mirror <laughs> for a few years. Uh, uh, and telling do you people, remember it? Um, look, it's changed now. There's so many more people to thank. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but oh, I'm sure Did you, have, did you sure put a little really epilogue cheesy. at the end of, you can do it if you yeah, believe. Yeah, oh, it was definitely was very inspiring, I'm sure. You were Jared um, Leto, were you? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I definitely didn't cry. I held it together, um, just for the record. So when I, I finally got an agent when I was about 17, and that's when I got really excited and thought, wow, I can probably really do this. Mm. Um, and then started auditioning. And um, I think I always knew that I would pursue it mm. as much as I possibly could. I hadn't really ever put much thought into doing another career, so I put all my eggs mm. in that basket, really. I think the only... If anyone's never done auditions, I guess I'm about to make an analogy between two things that a lot of people might never have done. The fallacy about surfing is mm. that it's always you on a wave doing something awesome. Yes. The reality is that it's a lot of paddling, a lot of paddling, a lot of pushing a big heavy board underneath big waves, and then a lot of waiting around. Yes. A lot of waiting around, and you're on the wave for about mm, 10 seconds, maybe mm-hmm. 15 tops, and then you do a lot more waiting around. And I think from my, you know, from what I saw from my ex-wife doing the audition cycle in pilot season in the States and, you know, my experiences, like, it's just the hit to miss ratio. Mm. It's, I don't know, it really seemed like acting really isn't so much about can you stand and deliver? It's more about can you withstand that process of getting told, no, it's not you. That's that's a really good analogy. That absolutely nails it. Um, and being able to, I guess, you know, keeping on that sort of theme, being in the water and, and being happy to at least be there, even though you're getting smashed by the waves, you're like, I'm yeah. out here, I'm doing it, and yeah. I want to be here. Um, you yeah, have, that's You have to be happy with all of it. Yeah, you're and knowing really that good. at some stage you're going to get up and ride the wave. Mm. I'm not a surfer, but I really want to learn. But you might fall off. And, you, yeah. You know, but then you're going to have to paddle back out again. And it doesn't last either. Nope. Even when you have a job, um, you know, a film or even a TV series, it, it's not forever. So. Unless we're hosting, unless we're Sandra Sully. Oh, yeah. True. Our, both our shows will get cancelled. Yeah, One day. exactly. One day it'll happen. Yeah. There's, there's even American Idol ended. Yeah. The greatest thing that ever happened in American television in the last 20 years is ending. Wow. Yeah, 15 years they've done. Oh, my God. And it's over. Well, we're, we're home and away, though, or neighbours. Maybe you've got along if, if you're oh, right. But how many... <laughs> but then again, I, I don't know. There's a sort of time limit to how long you can do How many? How many... Uh, what do they call the... the the veterans at home and away. What do they call them? Uh, I don't know. Like the, the ones long, that have the been there timers. since day one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be crazy. Series one, ep one. Is there anyone that's been on for? The, the I really wouldn't know. I think time. I've I watched. I'm, I'm, I think I've once watched an episode. Yeah, but not the whole through. thing. And it through. was in the Rebecca Emma Loggerly days. Okay, yeah. 
That's... Well, you pretty much got it. It's like okay. that for, for the next 20 years. Same thing. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I, those people and having done a teeny bit of work, I did a day of work on Neighbours. Yeah. Like, these are two massive soap operas in Australia that have been just legacy. They've been gone forever. But unless you get into that community... Mm. And you don't. Up until a few years ago, yeah. what are you going to do? Exactly. But now, I mean, we're sitting here with $212 worth of equipment mm. making a broadcast quality show. Now, yeah. I mean, the kid makes YouTube videos on a phone. Yeah, cool. Now you can, you can be in charge of your own content. And yeah. I know you've done a bit of this. I know you've, you know, how does it feel to have seen the digital... Uh, portal just burst open mm. uh, for you where you no longer have to like your father would have had to get a script wait for funding go get funding follow yep. the funding up when the first funding falls through oh the GOP now can't make it so I have to get a different one oh mm. this person then the schedules are clashed and the project's on hold for another year and a half oh my god yeah it's and crazy it and now you can just um, pretty much get a net well, you basically just need a network of people that are in the industry, creative people, and get some gear and make it yourself, mm. which is great. It's amazing, and I, I it's a really there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fun time to be around. I guess there's two things at the moment. There's obviously reality TV, which change, has changed kind of the landscape a bit for, for television and dramas. But then there's also the opportunity to make digital content yourself and that's so cool yeah um, and some friends of mine have just had some huge success with this activewear video which I got to be in in the background dancing um, and that's a really good example of how something like that can just absolutely take off and that's kind of going to launch them um, the Skipbox Girls so yeah it's really good and I've seen so many examples of that um, which is exciting because it's empowering and it gives you a sense that you have a little bit of influence on your career you're mm. not completely helpless waiting for somebody else to kind of call you up. Yeah, to be asked to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You can, rather than sit through all those auditions, you can go, well, I'll, you know, unless you're John Favreau and you're writing swingers, mm. you, you're actually, well, I'm going to write my own thing. Yeah. Or I'm going to find someone who can write it with me. Yeah, exactly. And it keeps you sane. Like I did a little web series when I was in LA with a friend of mine because we were just you know, auditioning and hanging out and going to Malibu and, um, you know, just decided to write something, did a little crowdfunding thing, um, got together and made it. And then there's been tons of short films and things like that and sketch stuff and it just keeps you creative and it keeps you sane and I think it, it keeps you in the water a little bit longer. So, nice callback, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're, um, but when you are creating that content, what's your, what's your view on putting an effort in I'm sure you would much rather have sat around the beach in Malibu, but <laughs> you're working all day for something that you are absolutely 100% not going to get paid for. That's I'm something I'm so used to. <laughs> I've just done so much without getting paid that money is almost 
irrelevant in this career I think because you might work I mean I remember doing a feature film a couple of probably like five six years ago um, you know three or four weeks of really hard work and solid rehearsing and I loved every minute of it and I probably lost money in the end because I wasn't working at my cafe job at the time and you know the money that you put into getting little bits and pieces for costume together and and all of that um, so you get paid nothing but it's so rewarding but then you go and do a commercial for one day which is not as rewarding but you get paid a big chunk of money so it's so insane that you just have to think it's kind of arbitrary really the money thing it's not a career that you go into um to make money i don't think it really is <laughs> if you do then yeah we should know, learn how luck. to code yeah definitely we should really learn how to code yes Absolutely. This whole, you know, creative broadcasting business is for the birds. <laughs> you can't really scale. I suppose you can scale this a bit. Yeah. yeah. I think about, when I think about the kid and I think about, you know, she's 11. And by the time she's 18, her second language will be code. Yeah, probably. You know. I know I'm feeling a bit left behind with that stuff now. It's scary. But you have, also, the thing is you've got so much to offer. I mean, I'm, I'm older than you, markedly, uh, but <laughs> you have you have so much to offer to women younger than you. Yeah, this is true. And then this is the, this is the thing you have. Mm. It's sad, but you have social skills that some folks don't have <laughs> because they've spent their life looking down at a blue screen. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely so right. So, bringing that to those young younger women, do you do you see mm -hmm. yourself as? I mean, I I got the trifecta. I was born white, male, and middle class. Yep. Bonus points. So was I, incidentally. But male. <laughs> we're going southern, to that. Yeah, sure. That you're later. in the southern highlands. Dinosaur. A, things are weird. Down yeah, there, I hear there's know. a great uh, transition <laughs> place there. Um, but you know, and bonus points is I got born in Australia. Oh, I didn't get born in Australia, but I came to Australia. Yeah. Um, do you see you have some sort of oh, what's the word? It's not patronage. Um, some sort of uh, uh, what's the word to be protective of? Mm, kind of like you mean like a responsibility or an obligation yeah to, yeah to, to to women younger than you in the industry yeah definitely um just because any advice that i received when i was younger i probably didn't listen to but then you kind of look back and realize how valuable that is and i would love to be able to offer advice and protection and just encouragement to mm. younger women in the industry um or and guys you know everyone but just also i think about protecting your sense of self and your self-esteem and your value because when you're constantly auditioning um you're constantly making judgments about your value as a person and you need to separate that from your career otherwise you go insane or you you know end up hating yourself and you know seeing people going through that really really gets me because i can relate to that and i'd love to sort of of help people to yeah. shed light on that and talk about it, I think. But yeah, the, the fact is, though, that if whoever has written it and you're in the room, whoever has written it is thinking, no, nah, Sandra, just making up her name. Mm. Uh, in this oh, she's great, Sandra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, Jennifer. Um, so I know the Jennifer character's a brunette with olive skin. Mm. And if you walk in, a beautiful blonde girl, it's just, you might be the greatest actor in the world. But like, yeah, no, and I am, it. so, you know, yeah, look Yeah, you are, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but you're just not it. No, exactly. And, and having done a tiny bit of, you know, directing of short films and sat in a bunch of audition rooms and helped out in casting studios, it's really cool to, as an actor to be in that environment and see people come in and do a brilliant job and walk out and then go, well, you know they're not going to get the job because that wasn't they're not right for it but wow they were, they were great 
Um, but it's so hard to remember that when you're, you know, when your week is, especially in Australia, we don't have like in America where you have a week of maybe 10 auditions during mm. pilot season. Usually in Australia, it might be one or two or not even. It could be one a month sometimes. Mm. And if your whole week has been geared around nailing this audition and you walk in and you do it and then you walk away and that's it, it can be really, really hard to see that as a positive experience where the people in the room might have looked at you and loved it, but you never hear that. You never hear back. You never hear feedback usually. So, yeah, it's tough. But is the justification always... I'm going to make every one of those people in that room remember me. So the yeah. next project or the project after or the project in three years from now yes. is the thing they get me back for. Exactly. Yeah. Or see it as a one-off performance. That's always a fun way to look at it. Like this is my little 10-minute performance today and this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing with this character. And that's really cool because then you own it as well. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you mentioned something before that, you know, you, you, you alluded to the glamorous side of the acting profession. <laughs> Cafe job. Ah, yes. So glamorous. Do you know what? I actually the other day had a moment where I was like, oh, I kind of miss waitressing. And I never thought that would happen because I hated it at the time. And I was sure that I was way too good to be doing it. So I was probably a terrible cafe employee. employee. Um, but, yeah, I've worked in tons of cafes and um, cater waitering and retail and all that kind of stuff. I didn't stay at many jobs very long. but. <laughs> yeah. So what... In, in in the cafe job, what is what are the uh, I don't know what are the secrets of the cafe world that we might not know? Ah, oh, there's often uh, I hate to say, it, but often people that run these businesses can be a little bit crazy, and there's definitely crazy people that work in the kitchen. That's for sure. Especially like the short order breakfast type cooks, they're mental. Um, there's a lot of like you do not want to cross them sometimes, and they're in a very kind of heated environment with boiling water and pans and things so you just kind of got to avoid um mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i think if you've got a good crew of people that you're working with then any workplace is fun but i definitely met some interesting characters was it the kind of places where the barista was a rock star and <gasps> yes the baristas really had tickets on themselves like they just thought they were the bee's knees and they were because they're the keepers of the coffee so everybody you know sort of looks to them um if you don't get your morning coffee before you start your shift then it's all going to go pear-shaped by lunchtime so they kind of yeah. they're kind of king in that environment and what about customers yeah customers it was interesting i think um was it like are you like a cop who like once you've been six months on the beat you just can't look at society the same yes oh my god and how antsy people get in sydney especially about their coffee and about their food which I understand. Like, obviously, if you've ever worked in hospitality, you have a wonderful empathy for people that work in that environment, so you're never rude to them ever again. But um, you see people who get very particular about their cafe experience. And I think it's because Sydney is a cafe society. It's very um, competitive. Hmm. If things aren't perfect, then look out. You're also paying $5.50. Yeah, exactly. So you want it to be For good. 22 cents worth of beans. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe seventy-five right. cents worth of labour. Oh my god! Especially in the eastern suburbs, like my crazy. goodness me! I've just yeah. moved back from Los Angeles, and how expensive this city is. And we don't really have as big a tipping culture, no. so you don't have to be, you know, as nice. No. Yeah, the service in America is is completely different, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's so friendly. I was I was back. Well, it's, it's fake friendly, but I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy for it to be fake. I don't That's care. Fine. <laughs> bring me the thing without yeah. any cheese in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know it says no substitutions, but can you take the cheese? Oh, sure, we can do that for you. No problem. You're vegan? Oh, I'll take care of it. 
Love it. Love it. You're yeah. getting it. You're getting it. You're getting a twenty at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know it too. Oh yeah, and, mm. and totally, totally. So you doing this this acting gig. The thing, and particularly when you get in a longer running thing like the Eight Hundred Words, which mm-hmm. you're doing, or the Home and Away stuff. You know, I've been told from my acting friends that you kind of have to make it a priority to do other stuff with your life so you have something to draw on. Definitely, yeah. You can't just do the acting part. You have to fill it full of everything. It's like when I do breakfast radio, they're like, Mm. they kick us out the door at 11 a.m. Like, go and live. Yeah. You've got to have something to talk about tomorrow. Yes. Get out of here. Have some life experience. Some interactions. Yeah, is that the same? Do you find? Definitely. Um, And I think... Yeah, well, all of those kind of years doing those jobs that I perhaps didn't really love at the time is excellent training in observing people and observing characters and getting to know who you are. Like, who are you in a work environment or what's your relationship like with someone that's senior to you or someone that's below you and how do you relate to them? Because all of those things you need to draw on. Um, And, yeah, having lots of different jobs is a really good way to to kind of get into that. And travelling, I think, is really important as well yeah. for anyone creative because it just opens up your world and you realise that people are not the same as they are in Sydney yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's that, great, it's that great line, that if the world is a book, people who haven't travelled have only read one page. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Love it. It's, it's, it's not mine. Yeah. Um, um, that's all right. But you don't mind, uh, and you, you don't mind to rough it, do you? You don't mind a European campsite, do you? Yeah, I know. I love it. Um, love camping. But I have to say about European camping, it's not as rough as, you know, maybe camping out back or something. Because I did a lot of camping in France, they're beautiful. They have a little boulangerie and they have, like, a pizza place and, you know, showers and a pool and Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi. So, um yeah, we, we did a lot of that, but we did do some wild camping just out in the hills above, kind of above Cannes, where and there's these beautiful blue pools. Was and, that the closest you could get when the festival was, yeah, on, yeah, it was exactly. all down? It was me with a pair of binoculars yeah. just trying to spot celebrities. I was in Cannes. I was in Cannes. I was totally in Cannes. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Actually, we did go in there, but I think um, it was, the festival that was on when I was there was like the IT festival or something. And we're like, should we try and get into some parties, like just steal a lanyard? And then we were like, no, nah, we looked at cool for And you know crowd. what? The IT festival in would have had more billionaires oh, yeah. than any of the advertising or, or film yeah. ones or yeah. TV ones. It was without definitely, a doubt. For sure. But for some reason, all they want to do is photograph the people who are on the telly. <laughs> the film, yeah. Uh, exactly. So what you know, being in France is is it's a very you know mm. very, it's a very interesting society. You know, trying yes. very hard to maintain that kind of socialist thing and trying as hard as they can to maintain that as immigration mm. um, and population growth of certain. Uh, elements of their society, um, mm. of immigrant society, is, is kind of threatening a lot of how elections go and, yeah. and and things like that. It's a it's an interesting place to be, I'm sure. It's very interesting. I loved it. Um, we did get evacuated from the Eiffel Tower because of a bomb threat when I was there, <laughs> so that was kind of unsettling. Um, but I, I mean, that's Paris, which is full of tourists and, as you say, it's very multicultural and um, I think they do get a bit defensive and work really hard to maintain their culture. Mm. But French people are lovely. Spend lots of time in the countryside and they're great. Um, and I love their film. Indi- I think French films are amazing. I love their film industry and the fact that they get so much funding there as well. So if I could speak fluently, I would definitely try and have a crack at We do. And I, I, I've seen this a bit. I mean, initially my experience in um, spending some t- so much time in Israel and then now recently more recently in the netherlands there's yeah. something to be said for 
I do have a sneeze coming, but it's okay, not here that's yet. Fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is something to be said for a country that doesn't have English as its priority language, and yeah. their native language content stories in their native language stories about their culture carry so much more weight. I feel mm. than in a country like Australia or England or New Zealand, where yeah, you can write a story like. It's in Australia. It's very cheap to buy fifty episodes of you know Law and Order. I see what you mean. So it's we're kind right. of watered down a little bit. Yeah, by, it's very. Yeah. And yet versus you know, do we want to pay a local film crew at local union yes. rates to make an Australian story, or we could just buy some content from America? Mm. But you can't do that in in the Netherlands or, or France. It's got yeah. to be content in French. Yes, and they're very proud of it as well. Yeah. And I think we definitely we do have a bit of pride um, in Australia for our own, you know, Australian films and our own content. But as you say, it is so easy and accessible to get stuff from the US or the UK that it really kind of, uh, you know, Australian content has to be really strong to stand up to that. And so yeah. I'm not sure how we get out of that. How do we... Yeah. We elevate the, the films and television and, and everything that we're making to a level where people choose that first because we're proud. And I suppose that's developing our yeah. culture. Well, I think the, the, mm. after being in the States for so long, the thing that strikes me the most, and I know it's, you know, I, I'm speaking a lot from, and I spoke about this on the show before, but I'm speaking a lot from my ass. I don't really know yeah, too good. much. But <laughs> I first started thinking about it in comedy mm. in that, why hasn't there been... It's a format that the country loves. Yeah. Why is there not a multi-camera, primetime Australian sitcom? I know. If we I, yeah. watch Big Bang Theory no matter what time of day or night. Yeah, but don't because 800 words is on at the same time. But, um, but you know what I mean? We'll <laughs> yeah, watch no, that. We'll watch How I Met Your Mother. We'll, you know, yeah. we love a multi-camera yes, sitcom. we do. We do. It's a format... It's that it's yeah. a, it's it's as much of a procedural format as a Law and Order show. Yeah. All right. You know exactly. There's that great book, The Eight Characters of Comedy. You know exactly who's who on the mm-hmm. show. You know exactly the structure. You know exactly how the scene's going to work. Yep. It feels the same every time. They're always in the same living room or the same bar or the yeah. same hospital. Why don't we have a multi-camera comedy in this country? I know it's a really good question. We should. We've got some great comedy and we've got excellent comedians. Really good talent. Um, I don't know, is it a cultural cringe factor that we have that we're not sort of confident enough to do that ourselves or is it the fact that we just get it from America? I don't know. We've got sort of like the single cam comedy, like mm. Up a Little Bogan or, you know, Cap and Kim or something great like that, but we don't really have, yeah, that multicam, which I studied that in, in LA. You can do specific multicam mm. acting classes. I'm fascinated by it. Um, and it's really specific. That style of performance is quite theatrical and yes. you have a live audience. Yes. And, um, I mean, super fun to do and very hard to get into in the States. Um, anyone that's been cast and in those shows has fast, worked really hard. Fast, fast, fast. Yes. They have all five sets set up. Oh, mm. I, I was in one once. All right. Over there, oh, yeah. Oh, great. A friend, a casting director, a friend of mine put How me in fun. one. And I, so I did a day on one. Um, oh, cool. It was called the United State of Georgia or something like that. It yeah. was on ABC Family. But it was uh, Todd... He'd done like 90 episodes of Friends, the director. Wow. Oh, great. So okay. I lost my mind when oh I was working with him. Oh, my God. How but cool. But the fact that they had, um, they had the diner, they had the living room, they had the schoolyard, they had, uh, it was one other scene, it was like a, 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 a football field or something. Yeah. So they had all five sets. It's a really long soundstage. And they had all five sets out there. Wow. On, on the set, on the stage, and they had the bleachers, like, must have been 40 metres long. Wow. The, with just packed. 
with, with audience. People. So were you nervous? No, not at all. Really, but it was brilliant. It would have been a great feeling to that to vibe off the energy of that audience. Yeah, yeah. and they just smash it on taping days. Mm. Bang, 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 bang. That's why the casting process to get one of those gigs is really grueling. We have to go through like I don't know seven different auditions and network things and all that. It, unless you know someone like you. Mm. <laughs> well, is it a but is it a, is it a writers thing? Is it because we don't have that culture of the writers room that we don't have that culture of you know, those, I mean, those shows. Perhaps, written, maybe. Those shows are written by 10 people at once. Yeah, and often our shows, even if there are a group of writers, there's only, you know, maybe several, but like three or four or five, maybe. I don't know. Mm. But um, I think on 800 Words, there was, you know, two key creators, a key writer, and then a couple of others that came in. But mm. nowhere near like they have in the States, you know, um, where they have a whole bunch. So maybe that's it too. But I agree with you. I think a multicam comedy would really nail it in Australia. What would the. What would it be about? Well, I would star in it, of course. Naturally. Um, naturally. But maybe, you know, okay, so I was talking about Cafe Society before. That is something that's quite, I associate with being quite specific to Australia and, and especially Sydney and Melbourne. So maybe something like that, you know. Mm. I don't know. Or something that is, you know, unique to us. Or even just a, you know, a friend style thing of just people in apartments, mm. you know, with renovations going on next door. Yeah. Trying to do, trying to talk while, you know, drilling yeah. is happening. But it, it just, <laughs> it, it just flummoxes me that we don't, I mean, even if, it, shit, I don't have the budgets, but I would even consider bringing over uh, a, a, a showrunner from one of those shows. Yeah. Just to shepherd and just to workshop, just to. You know, just to even just start something. It's, it's like, you know, I see what enormous wealth uh, Second City, UCB and IO have mm. given America, all right? It was because of those things that Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live exists. Yeah. And, and Groundlings as well, sorry. And they just pump out people who have just been trained, trained, yep. trained in sketch writing, in, in timing, in, mm. in where to find the funny and how do we get that game in there? How do we play it in editing, self-editing? And so a lot of these people, um, when I'm over there, I do a bit of, I do a bit of UCB. Just do to, you? Yeah, yeah just great. To, just to do it. Love just it. To, I did UCB as well. It's fantastic. Oh, really? Yep. Where yep. at? Oh, well, in LA. Um, the sorry. dodgy one on Highland or the one way out in Echo Park? Not the new one. Oh, no, the, I haven't been to that one yet. Yeah, no, on Highland. Uh, the one in... Um, Near Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, Santa yeah. Monica Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The big red building. The big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, so, yeah, I did some classes there and some sketch writing and absolutely loved it. And, and Second City and Groundlings is the same. So it's, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, I guess it's it's hardcore improv yeah. and sketch comedy training and they have really structured classes and set rules and the people that come through there are amazing. Mm. Amy Poehler started yes. UCB. Yes, she so did. Just, just yep. So pretty much anyone you've seen on yeah. uh, Parks and Recreation is from there. Has yeah. either, either been a cast member at Groundlings or mm. a touring Second City Company or Key and Peele famously yep. were a Second City touring company. Yeah. That we don't have that kind Tina of comedy Faye. school. Tina yeah. Fey. That we don't have that kind of comedy school here. Uh, well, okay. Do I, be- we? I better just have say... I just not missed it? No, no, I just no. I better say right now there's a, a, lo- a really good school starting in Sydney. Well, it started up about a year ago a year ago called ITS, Improv Theatre Sydney. Um, so I know a bunch of the people that run that because we were doing shows at the Roxbury Glebe, which has started running again. It's All called right. Tennis Improv on a Tuesday. Um, and the guys that started that have started this school and I think what they want to do is try and bring that culture of improv that yeah. exists so strongly in America to Sydney. 
Um, and there's some of it going on in Melbourne and Perth as well, but it's it's a small kind of culture here. Mm. A lot of sort of people from stand-up comedy backgrounds, but also actors. Um, so it's something that I really missed when I moved back from LA. I didn't think it existed here in Sydney, and then I found that. So, wow. Yeah. So I'm totally going to do it. Yeah, do because it, yeah. it has made. Once I started doing UCB, I did Groundlings for for uh, one one class or two classes. I yeah. Can't remember, I did one term of Groundlings, and then I went to UCB, and it made. I started in theatre sports. That's how I got into radio. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, that was the that was my basis to get into radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one could understand why the unions were good. I'm like, I'm just saying yes to whatever they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, and yes, and bitches. <laughs> I was like a king. Of yeah, exactly. Um, but it made everything that I did on mm. radio, on television, on stage, made everything better. I'm never yeah. going to be on Saturday Night Live. I'm never going to be a sketch comedy actor ever. Mm. But it gave me so many skills. Yeah, definitely. And just, you know, interacting with people in general, mm. bouncing off people. I mean, why it feels so good to do improv and watch improv is those, um, you know, is that really bouncing off people, that, that feeling of connecting and yeah. um, and bouncing ideas around and something gelling, like that mind meld thing. Yeah. That's what's so fun about doing it and that's what's so fun to watch as yeah. well. When you see an idea that the audience has given and you see kind of somebody's brain ticking over mm. and, and then light up with an idea and that, that yeah. sense of recognition is and spontaneity is really fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that applies to basically everything in life, I think. Yeah, truly. Well, I really hope those people make that I'm going to have to go check them out now yeah, uh, yeah. or at least talk to the guy I get the I don't know what I'll do I'll get the people that started the show started the school on this show and we'll talk actually yeah you yeah. absolutely should and um, yeah you may have interviewed some people already that have, are involved but yeah you should get someone on here and get them talking well, about but, it because um, we could grow that community here in Sydney. Well, that's the thing. Because yeah. it's not, like I said, it's not just people that end up on the stage or in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, for example, Adam McKay, who's the king. He made Anchorman. He made Talladega mm. Nights. He's Will Ferrell's guy. Yeah. They started Funny or Die together. Will Ferrell came from Groundlings. Adam McKay came from Second City. Studied with Del Close. Yeah. Um, so he went on to become this just absolute monster comedy director. Mm. Um, and it's all these people that populate these writers' rooms. Yeah. have all done this kind of stuff. Um, because it makes you, it really switches your brain on, makes you think on your feet. Um, it's pretty intoxicating to do. It's really cool. And a lot of people say, oh, like, I'm scared to do that or I hate it. But everyone that does it actually gets such a wonderful adrenaline rush. Mm. It's really, really cool. There is also something very special about that what you're seeing has never happened before and will never happen again. Yes. Ever. Yeah. It's not like a regular play. And those shows at UCB, like, they are so fast. They're so quick. It's incredible um, to know that that's just been improvised. And have you ever seen the musical theatre ones they do? Amazing. I have, yeah. Really cool where they basically improvise a musical which mm. is, and make it rhyme. It's amazing. But the thing is that those teams that you've seen that move so fast, yeah. they just they jam all day. Yes, they do. They do a lot of rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, just coming up with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been... One and in these really weird rehearsal rooms above <laughs> Melrose, in the dodgy part, closer to Hollywood. Um, but they they just get so aware of which person on the team is going to do what next. Yes. Like the actual, the content of the scene changes every time, but 
who does what and who brings what part of the joke is often the same. Right, because they've, yeah, they've learned each other's kind yes. of strengths and patterns. Like, and that, yeah. It's all about trusting mm-hmm. your team and having each other's back. And like, no one's ever left cold. No one's ever left standing on yeah. their own because everyone's kind of supporting each other, and that's really cool. Like, we can absolutely trust that Barry over there is going to call back, you know, in, in 10 minutes from now to what we're just doing right now we yeah. can absolutely trust that St- Stephanie is going to it's going to come best. back with that baby character and, yeah. Yeah. and the, <laughs> yeah, best, the best premise ever yeah. so yeah. it's just up to Ronaldo here to put the <laughs> salt on the rice yeah, yeah. And depending on whatever suggestion they get from the audience that well that's yeah. how I've, I've seen absolutely other and that's teams like one of the nicest things about being an actor really for me is being part of a cast and an ensemble working with people and mm. um, vibing of people and that's exactly what improv is like working with your cast mm. and trusting each other what do you like about 800 words that <laughs> um, it's not improvised but um, the cast it was fabulous it was a really cool ensemble piece and, and the characters are so well written the way each character is introduced in the series I think is really clever there's been a lot of thought put into it and um the way the cast gelled, I think, really comes through because it is a, st- a story about a community, a small community in, in a town in New Zealand, and um, everyone knows everyone, so the dynamics are really fun. Hmm. Yeah. What was the, you know, what's it like? Is it like school camp when everyone goes on location? Yes. <laughs> it is a little bit. One of the first days we had shooting a scene um, in episode four, which aired last week, we were all, um, it was the cheese and wine night and everyone in Weld, the town, is getting a little bit pissed and dancing. And we were there till like one, one or 2 a.m., I think. But it was like camp, you know, getting mm. to know everybody. And I felt like we'd been there forever. Um, it was really, really fun, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I've had you here for about an hour, so I should probably let you go. Um, <laughs> that went quick. Why isn't the kid home from school yet? Oh. Dun, dun, dun! Um, so, let's just, uh, because she's not here yet, Yeah. let's just say, you know, what would you say to, you know, 13-year-old, 14-year-old you? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Someone who's like, no, I want to be on stage. I see what those people are doing on those Disney shows. I'm, yeah. That's what I want to do. I would say that the most valuable thing that you have is to be authentic and to be your authentic self. And if that doesn't fit with the version of you that you think you should be, then stick to your guns and maintain that that sense of individuality because that's what people are going to want to watch and that's what people are going to want to see. So, yeah, and carve, carve your own path, you know, run your own race. Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> All those things. This is like a post, post <laughs> AFL game. Yeah, it? it is a So, bit. but what if that quest for the authentic <laughs> self makes you realise, oh, goodness, it, I, I actually want to be an architect. <laughs> go and be an architect. I actually have a really um, fantastic friend called Claudia Pickering who is an architect turned filmmaker um, actress and comedian who's just made two feature films. Um, so she studied architecture and got a degree and was working in that and then I think went back to doing acting and comedy and, and is really, you know, doing really, really well. Um, her and I and our friend Prudence Vinden are in a sketch team called Frothpocalypse. Um, so, great, go and do architecture for a while or, you know, go overseas and travel. Don't be tied to your career and um, don't put your career on a pedestal is what I would say. If you need time off, and you need time away if your career is not giving you what you think it should then 
take a break and be free and easy in everything you do. What do you do for money when you're having that break? Uh, great question. Um, yeah, go and get another job and enjoy it. Enjoy the weird cafes or bars or retail jobs that you work in because those experiences are going to colour your um, view of the world and, um, yeah, they're going to shape your pathway just as much as all the auditioning will. From apocalypse. <laughs> froth apocalypse. <laughs> froth apocalypse. Yeah. Frock apocalypse. No froth, like frothing. Oh, sorry. I do have hearing aids. In <laughs> That's all right. That meant I got to say it like three times. Froth apocalypse. That's our improv sketch troupe. Yeah. And where do you perform? Well, at the moment we're doing online video content stuff, but we're hoping to perform to be performing um, somewhere in Sydney soon. So stay tuned. Mm, stay tuned. Um, but... If people want to check out good comedy and improv in Sydney, there's a lot of stuff happening at the Giant Dwarf Theatre yeah. and also at the Roxbury in Glebe. Yeah. I was at Giant Dwarf last night. Yeah, it's fantastic venue. Yeah, they had me in for story time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, great. I read, a, I read a story. Did you? Fantastic. About a ghost it. I used to live with. Oh, great. Mm, it was spooky. And um, I got a chance to... Uh, we had musical accompaniment by yep. um, Benny, who's the keyboard player in um, Axis of Awesome. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So he was... Uh, Super cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. I mean... So was the, the appropriate musical accompaniment to yeah, your yeah. story? Yeah, well, I, I said, look, I'll need a bit of this. I'll need bit a bit spooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Maybe some Celine Dion. Yes. And, um, yeah, Love it. But he brought it. And it was, oh, cool. You know, I... And there was people coming up to me afterwards. And, you know, a giant dwarf. It's like inner city, super lefty, you know. Yeah, it's very Indian. <laughs> ABC. Cool. Yeah, it totally. It totally has, which is any commercial networks. Yeah. I don't have people coming up to me afterwards like, oh. I really like. I don't take this the wrong way. I really don't like what you do on television. Oh, but I really, I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, because people probably see one thing that you do on TV and put you in a box, but yeah. don't realise that most people that work in film, television, and media are all, you know, interested in all of the different. Do you find that years. with you being a, a, a pretty blonde girl? Do you think that people think you're going to do just one thing? Um, I think people think I'm just going to play teachers from now on because I seem to be cast as teachers a lot. Yeah, I think you have to work hard to be diverse always mm. and, and, and that's where um, creating your own work comes in. Yeah. What does that mean? You're going to you know, shave the head? And... Definitely, after this, completely mm. different look. I've got some clippers um, in Well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the kid comes home, hey, how you doing? It's all part of the show. <laughs> What's happening here? Yeah, my girlfriend's a makeup artist. She's got the proper clippers in the back Oh, too. great. Oh, we can oh, do yeah. a good job. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Let's but do something it. creating your own content, which is... It's funny, because what you're saying is that's exactly what I'm doing now. Mm. And this has been... It's funny you say that, because this... Doing this show that we're doing right now yeah. has changed immeasurably the opportunities that I have been exposed to since I started. Fantastic. Yeah. That's incredible. I still don't get paid. No. <laughs> we should, I think the general rule is just expect that you will never get paid for anything and then you'll always feel like it's a bonus when you do. Yeah, but you got to eat, man. You got to eat. No, of course you got to eat. Totally. Well, that's why I do voiceovers on the side, so that you know, yeah. provides that. So find something that you enjoy and do that. I miss so, voice. Yeah. I used to do voiceovers. Do you? Yeah, yeah did miss you? It. Yeah. I miss fun. it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Crazy money. Jesus. Yeah, Christ. it is. But no job stability. So. I don't know. My friend, she's um, 
she was at a time she was the highest paid voiceover actress in Australia and she's wow. still you know bought a house she's got three kids she, oh my god she's the voice of Vodafone oh right cool yeah, great she, voice and uh, she's also one. the voice of the Westpac ATMs oh lovely <laughs> and she's uh, that's the gigs you gotta go for yeah absolutely she's the voice of Pizza Hut online yeah when you call up and oh, what else did she do she does Channel 10 promos uh, the promo ones are really, really fun. I did a little bit for Nickelodeon last year, and it's super fun. Promos are great, um, but you know that's one of those things that everyone wants to get into voiceovers for. So, have you seen it. Five Guys in a Limo? No. What's that? As soon as I take your photo, yep. we're going to watch Five Guys in a Limo. Okay. Which was Dan Lafontaine, mm-hmm. who's he's dead now, but he was the king of voiceovers in a world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was a movie they made, it was a short film that they made to open a big awards ceremony in Las Vegas once. Great. And um, one of the guests I had on this podcast, his dad ended up producing it, which was wild. Wow, okay. I'll show it to you right now and I'll take the photo, okay? All right, thanks very much. That was Emma Lou Leonard. You can find her on Twitter at E-M-M-A-L-O-U-L-E-O-N-A-R-D. Uh, yeah, let her know you heard her here. Let her know you like this show. You can subscribe to the show at osherginsberg.com. Uh, you can also sign up to the mailing list at Facebook. Uh, drop me a note there or send osher email at gmail.com is where I am around. Uh, looking forward to having you on Twitter on uh, Wednesday and Thursday night this week for the uh, final two episodes of The Bachelorette. Super fun. Super fun. And if you're in Brisbane, I'll be the one in thongs and board shorts rolling down the Queen Street Mall. Just doing shopping. It's going to be awesome. So until next week, uh, keep your own bill at bay. I'm going to try and tie mine out. Make sure that he doesn't come in and run the show. And uh, until I talk to you next week, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.